Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, Jim Harbaugh was indeed in the mix for the Broncos job and possibly others. Santa Ono, the president of the University of Michigan, yesterday in a statement saying, I just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh, and Jim shared with me the great news that he is going to remain as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. That is fantastic news that I have communicated to our athletic director, Ward Manuel, and he's communicated to the rest of the world, too. I don't know why I added the last part. We all now know. Jim Harbaugh, I love the relationships that I have at Michigan. Coaches, staff, families, administration, President Santa Ono, and especially the players and their families. My heart is at the University of Michigan. I once said, I once heard a wise man say, don't try to out-happy-happy, happy. go blue. That's kind of how Jim Harbaugh would say those things because we all know that he is overly caffeinated all the time. It's natural caffeine. It's a zest for life. I love it. I respect it. But he definitely did consider coming back to the NFL. He did it last year. He did it this year. He'll do it next year. Here's the key. When the contract becomes public, the new contract that he has signed, and he surely has, we'll see how much more they've paid him to stay put and how much it will cost next year for someone whoever is looking for a coach next year. Maybe it's the Chargers next year. Maybe Brandon Staley gets one more year. They're not going to throw him overboard now. That's their decision, and I'm sure we'll discuss at some point whether or not that's the right decision. But maybe Harbaugh, when we'll see, we'll see. From the buyout, from the compensation, maybe he'll be back around next year for another shot at the NFL because he's made it clear, Chris, he has unfinished business in pro football the Lombardi Trophy. They don't give it out to the champion of college football. They only give it out to the champion of professional football. No, that's right. I mean, I I think this is going to be a yearly thing until the point where maybe Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines fail a little bit, and then he just isn't a hot name anymore. But, yeah, I think his heart's in the NFL. I do, 100%. Not to say that he doesn't love Michigan and what he's doing, but like we've talked about before, some of the past comments he made, the ultimate prize of ultimate prizes or whatever exactly he said – was the Super Bowl. You know, he wanted that as a player. He was very close as a coach, right? I mean, we've, 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 we've hit on all of that. I think that's where he looks at it. Plus, hey, college, a guy like Jim Harbaugh, as much as you know, he's good at it and successful at it, I, I, still a lot of those guys who have been in the NFL and had that taste for that long, hey, there's still parts of the NFL that you just – that, that just beat college football. You're coaching grown men. It's all football all the time. And then coursing college football is some babysitting. I got to talk to mom and dad and kiss their butt and do this. And it gets tiring. So yes, he's going to flirt with jobs and in the NFL. And you know what, what I'm interested is in just, and it, it, it's almost weird how it lines up to like what you were saying. We know there were some teams interested in all that, but you know, I also know through people in football that the Chargers job was being looked at by, you know, Harbaugh and Sean Payton. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, they, yes. They were, that was, I believe, from what I've learned, oh, at the top oh. of their list. So, you know, oh, I yes. just, I find it kind of like, 
you know, suspicious that, okay, we start to hear that Brandon Staley's good for now and that's it and he's going to be there next year and then that comes out and made me think like, oh, man, Jim was really looking at that Chargers job and that oh, looks like it's not happening. That was the one he wanted. Right, and I'll stay. That was right. the one he wanted. Right. That's the one Peyton wanted. That's the one that Harbaugh wanted. Yeah. And look, they would have had a hell of a steel cage death match if that job had come open. And – I, I said earlier, we'll talk about it at some point. Let me just make the point now. This is the one point, the yeah. one point. I think we may have discussed this yesterday. I can't remember. The past, really, 72 hours have been a blur. But I remember the Giants beating in. the Vikings. That wasn't a blur in the 72 hours. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you've you've got to factor in. You've got to – sorry, I had, a, I had an itch on my forehead. You have to factor in the the impact moving forward. And I vaguely recall saying this to you yesterday. What – does it take to recover from what happened Saturday night? Yeah. How long does that loss right. linger in the air? How long does it affect your team next year, the year after? I think the Super Bowl 49, the fateful run versus pass sure. decision that was made to pass the ball. And how how Pete Carroll, hey, he, did, he did the rounds on the Today Show and the morning shows. He was wallowing in his misery trying to hit the reset button, anything he could to get back to how it felt before that moment. The 28-3, Falcons collapse. I feel like they're still dealing with that six years later. Sure. I'm telling you, it's that that it's not just, well, the players are behind him and we're happy with the structure and we've made progress as a team and we finally made it to the playoffs. 27 nothing is not going to go away. That's one of the factors in all of this. And, and we'll see what happens in 2023. But, but yeah, Harbaugh. And see, it may work out perfectly for Harbaugh, Chris, because Peyton takes a job this cycle, if things don't work out for the Chargers next year and they make a change, in comes Harbaugh. With, you know, and who knows what he'll want financially. Maybe he won't want a ridiculous amount. That's one of the factors that, that we were kicking around as it relates to Peyton. Well, Dean Spanos isn't going to pay him $20 million a year, $25 million a year, whatever. Well, maybe Peyton wouldn't want that. Maybe Peyton would be content to take less if it means working with Justin Herbert and stacking the deck for himself toward becoming the first coach to win Super Bowls with two different teams and maybe make a bunch of money off that, take over Sean McVay's chunky soup gig and any other endorsements that may come his way. Beast Aftershave, uh, for example. Again, I watched all the Rocky movies last Apparently. week. Apparently. So all of those moments are rattling around. I want to smeal manly, by the way. Uh, <laughs> So um, so that's Harbaugh. Let's pivot to Peyton. Yeah, we talked okay. earlier about Texans, Broncos, Cardinals, Panthers. And he said yesterday on Colin Coward's show, the Saints want a mid to late first round pick if he's hired in this cycle. I think Peyton believes that with each passing year, the Saints should want less and less. But I don't think he wants to pass on another year because, again, you're not going to replace the 20 million. That, that money's never coming back. And I, I that that that's a very real concern. If I sit out another year, I make whatever Fox pays. I don't know two million. I'm just guessing. That's a lot less than twenty million. That's an order of magnitude, as they call it, at the higher institutions of learning. That's a zero that you take off that number. That's a lot to walk away from if you're Sean Payton. If you know you can get twenty or more now. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, again, I, 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 you know, money. I'm sure is is part of the situation. I'm sure he's already got a boatload of it. He was one of those guys that I think was, you know. I always want more. I'm not judging. I get it. I get it. I mean, but, you know, by all due accounts, it, it, he seems like he was a guy that was around 15, maybe north of that. Anyways, yes, with the North, New Orleans Saints, north. right? North, right? So, uh, but, but I think the, the, you know, with all that being said, and you've alluded to this over the last few weeks, first off, I mean, he's one of these guys you classify as a, he's a psycho. He's a psycho in a good way. He 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 can't what sitting in the studio picking games. What he's probably picking his hair out of his head because he wants to be out there coaching. He's that's who he is. He's a leader of men. He's the general, and then he's a psycho who likes to get in the lab and come up with crazy game plans and plays to screw a team over. Uh, as I just feel like that's he's addicted to that adrenaline and the power and and the creativity and the adrenaline of a Sunday and all that to where that's where I feel like he's just going to be chomping at the bit too. And, of course, he's got a lot of good years in front of him too. He's in the prime of his coaching career right now. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, yeah, it feels inevitable. And 
I, I'm with you. It's going to be back. It's just where is it going to happen? And um, I, I think that's a small price to pay as far as a late to mid first round pick for a guy like Sean Payton. Yeah, absolutely. When you think of what a coach means to a team, what a good coach means, and I know it all comes down to players, and the players are the ones who go out and do it. And as Dick Vermeil said at his Hall of Fame induction speech back in August, which doesn't seem all that long ago but was, he said, I became a much smarter coach once I had Marshall Falk. I mean, that is a big part of it, but great coaches do the things we talked about earlier. Definitely. Spending all that time obsessing over everything, staying ahead of the competition, staying ahead of yourself, getting ready for every game because it all comes down to a play here, a play there, a moment here, a moment there. And and if if quarterbacks, middle of the pack, are going to be getting $30, 35000000 million a year now, coaches should be getting more than that. A good coach means more than an average quarterback does to any given team without question. And there's no salary cap on coaches. I think there is collusion. And I, I think this clamoring for Sean Payton, regardless of where he ends up, and whether he ends up with Tom Brady or not, just the mere fact that there's this contest to go get Sean Payton and that someone's going to give up value and pay a lot of money to Payton, that's kind of a middle finger to the powers that be because I think they'd like coaches to have less influence than maybe they should, than maybe they do, maybe they will. Once Payton emerges from this thing, maybe the highest paid coach or close to it in in all the NFL. And this is something we've talked about in the past. We never really know exactly what a coach is making because these owners will funnel money to them through other business interests to kind of keep down the official number. That's part of the collusion if it's happening, allegedly or otherwise. Oh, the official number is 15, but yeah, he's making another 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, elsewhere. Um, so there are there are multiple coaches north of 20. They just don't talk about it very much. And uh, th- this is the first time we're kind of having this open, candid conversation about what a coach is going to get in that magnitude, in that ballpark. It, I think it will be north of 20. We may never know the actual number, Chris, but I think Sean Payton's going to come back and he's going to be making a ton of money and it's going to cause other great coaches to make a ton of money too, as they should. For what they put in, for their expertise, for their experience, for their skill, and for the sheer raw effort that is put in to the detriment of the rest of their lives, their health, their relationships, they deserve every penny. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. It's it's a brutal job. It's intense. It's got incredible scrutiny surrounded by it. Takes you away from your family. It's it's as pressure packed as it gets. It's as intense as it gets. And uh, I mean, there's no sport in the world that coaching is more important for for football. I mean, none, none. I and, and uh, just it's it, that that's the great thing about football. You know, you see a team like the Giants. The team hasn't changed around all that much. Look at what a good coach came in and did to them. All right. Oh, my gosh. Holy cow. Can they go in and upset Philadelphia? I mean, we're starting the year going there. Can they win four games? But a coach does things the right way, plays it the right way, schemes the right way. I mean, it's it's changing people's lives, let alone like how could they not make more money? How could they not? How could the guy in the booth who's just talking about the game make more money than the damn guy that's producing the damn game and all the great plays and the entertainment and doing all the hard work to really make it good anyways? It just makes no sense. Right. So that's where, yes, I would think Belichick, the Andy Reeds, the Pete Carrolls of the world, they're all, I would think, flirting in that 20 million range. Uh, and I got no problem with that at all. You're right. There's a lot of really below-average quarterbacks making more money than that, and that doesn't seem right. An interesting study to do if anybody ever had access to the real numbers, and the problem is we don't and we won't. You track the growth of player salary and total revenue for the NFL over the last 50 years, and then you get the detailed coaching salaries and track them and their growth, you would see the disparity. Yeah. They have successfully held coaching pay down even in the absence of a salary cap. It's impressive when you consider it. But, you know, maybe one of the things Peyton is going to do in that his day's over. is blow the lid off of yeah. it, blow the curve, and coaches need to get paid and owners need to start paying the coaches. That's something the Cardinals will do once they hire a coach. First, they wanted to hire a GM, and they have. We'll tell you who it is and talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, 
And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Arizona Cardinals have a general manager. He is Monty Ossenfort. Comes from the Tennessee Titans. Long time with the New England Patriots. Yeah. Personnel assistant to director of college scouting. 15 years. You know who else had 15 years with the New England Patriots? Another guy who's not with the Patriots now. Been a head coach. A lot of steam, Chris. I don't know if you're hearing it. A lot of steam. Brian Flores. Next coach of the Cardinals. Oh, we'll see. We'll that see. makes I'm sense. Not, I'm not reporting anything. I'm not reporting anything. But Monty Austin Fort, he and Flores worked together for a long time yeah. in New England. Right. Now, just because people work together in the past doesn't mean they like each other. But when, when, when you're all coming off that same Patriot Way assembly line, <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain shared DNA that you have yeah. that others just don't have. Right. That's right. There's, there's a process and a way things are done that they expect that, you know, I, you know, I don't think – a lot of other organizations or people that have worked with them are going to meet the expectations of what the New England way expects. I think that's where Brian Flores kind of bumped heads and maybe with uh, uh, Chris Greer down in Miami. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, this I worked in the front office of New England. It should be done like this. It's kind of worked for us for 20 years. We kind of went to 10 Super Bowls. Let's do it this way. No, I got it my way. Well, your way is not done crap except, you know, coming third and fourth place in the AFC. So let's let's figure things out here. And that's where I do, you know, think the rubber meets the road there. Monty, and this is why people love New England GMs and front office people. First off, he's... I had an opportunity to work with him and cross over there. He's a top-notch guy. He understands the game. And I think the one thing about the New England front office people that it just impresses ownership or people who make these hires is just the process and how detailed it all is as far as scouting and free agency, right? And that's where New England was great. New England was great at – all the meat and potato players, the A minuses, the B plus type of players that they found, the diamonds in the rough, all of that. You know, we could sit here and argue, hey, were they they weren't the best at maybe sometimes evaluating the cream of the crop and Bill wasn't the best with first round picks and all that. Okay, we'll see if Monty Asifor can do that. But, you know, it's a guy that understands the process and has a, you know, tried and true plan that I think, you know, will will work and of course impress his owners when when you get up there in front of them. Michael Bidwell, owner of the Arizona Cardinals, said this. It was critically important for us to find the right person to lead us as general manager. And there's no doubt in my mind that we have that in money. Austin Ford, he possesses every attribute of a successful GM. Passion, leadership, intelligence, and work ethic. And his extensive experience has clearly prepared him for this role. We could not be more thrilled to have Monty and his family joining the Cardinals. And this was an important move for Michael Bidwell because Steve Kahn had been the GM for a long time. To the point where he becomes confidant, advisor. And, you know, in the past, maybe guy who runs interference while Bidwell meddles a little bit with the team. Who knows? Who knows? A good general manager takes the heat 
for whatever the owner wants to do. And as I say time and again, if you want to remain employed by a billionaire, one thing to do is be very attuned to what he wants and do it without him even having to ask for it. So Monty Austin Ford steps into that role. And Chris, this is where the Flores thing becomes real. And, yeah. You know, you could call it cynical or you could call it the way business gets done in America and probably the rest of the world. If Michael Bidwell is thinking about, as he should be, lawyer, former prosecutor, he understands the realities of the Brian Flores litigation against the NFL and the teams that he sued and then later joined. He's got the Dolphins, Broncos, Giants, and Texans at the table. And then Steve Wilkes, the former Cardinals coach, joins Flores and brings Bidwell's team into the crosshairs under the argument that they hired Steve Wilkes to fail in 2018, set him up to fail, and then fired him, made him the sacrificial lamb for a crap season before they moved on to Cliff Kingsbury, a relatively unaccomplished college coach who arguably had no business being an NFL coach in the first place. So Bidwell realizes the net gain of hiring Brian Flores to this separate and significant legal concern that anyone who owns and operates a business would have. They still don't know whether or not the Flores, Wilkes, and Ray Horton litigation is going to be resolved in open court where it will be a fair shake for everyone, which is bad news for the people with the money, or whether it gets resolved in the secret rig kangaroo court of Roger Goodell, where arbitration requires all of these disputes to go before him. And what a shock. He's going to have a bias in favor of the people who pay him. I'm sorry, no matter how hard you try not to have a bias in that setting, you will have a built-in bias. You shouldn't even want to resolve that dispute when you know you've got the built-in bias. So we don't know where that stands. We're almost a year from the filing of the lawsuit. We have no idea where it's going to go. This helps the NFL's legal posture. It helps Michael Bidwell's legal posture. Oh, and by the way, I was talking to somebody about this last night. Well, this should be about whether or not Brian Flores deserves to be a coach. Well, both can be true. He can deserve to be a coach, and it can help the legal posture. It's a win-win-win. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. We take some of the steam out of this lawsuit. The Cardinals get a coach who has proven he can get it done. Brian Flores versus Clay Kingsbury. I don't I don't need to flip that coin more than once. I know which way I'm going based on what I've seen during their respective three years as head coaches. So you get a good coach, a guy who they desperately need to turn Kyler Murray around or not. Bring it to a head. If it's not going to work, fine. We'll figure it out that way. But it helps your legal situation. It helps your football team. It helps Brian Flores, as I said, win, win, win. I don't know that it's going in that direction, but it's not going to surprise me if it does. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it does. I just hope that the decision's not made just because of that, though. That, that would be the only thing. And I, well, that's my point. You yeah. can, it can be both. I know it can, it can be, be both. both. I hope it's, I know, I know. And I hope, you know, it is both. And I hope it's more about the coaching because the guy deserves to be a head coach, period. And we know that. I mean, I don't, you know, I think anybody that knows football knows Brian Flores is, is made to be a head, head coach in the NFL. Yeah, I just don't want it to be purely about that and fighting the the law consequences there but either way you know i'm i'd be it's a all, business it's a business football is business i get it i know football is business uh, and, and i do think it's good and business it's part of the for, business for brian flores to come into town too i think he's you know really in a lot of ways almost the exact opposite of cliff kingsbury i mean you're gonna get hard nose it's about the team detail blah 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 all of that and and in in Arizona, one of the issues, or at least you know, from the outside looking in, is it's it does seem like there's a little bit of individuality there. It's a lot of you know solo enterprises on their team, and you know they're they didn't seem like they had that cohesiveness there. That's where Brian Flores can bring that back and bring everybody back to earth and explain to them, hey, would screw your highlights or whatever money you're making or whatever. We got to come together the right way here and. Uh, I, I can certainly see Brian Flores being the cup of tea that Monty Austin for likes and, you know, and Michael Bidwell to kind of get this organization going back in the right direction. We talked last week about what it's going to take to get Kyler Murray to punch through to the next level of his career, to realize you can't just rely upon your God-given abilities to run circles around everyone. That four-hour-per-week study clause was in the contract for a reason. They weren't just sitting around with some random contract clause generator saying, what can we put in here just so we feel like we're getting fair value in return for our money? What can we throw in here just to be a pain in the ass? What can we do just so we feel like we got something? No, it was in there because they don't think he works hard enough. Logic and common sense prevail sometimes still in this day and age. 
That clause was in there because they didn't think he was working hard enough. And Brian Flores will make damn sure that Kyler Murray understands the effort put in and the results that come from it. And, you know, if Tom Brady doesn't play in 2023, maybe he can get Tommy to to give Kyler a phone call from time to time and just explain to him what it takes to be the best that you can possibly be. And that it's not, and I think Kyler Murray has realized it's not enough about just showing up and being more physically gifted than everyone else. It's about the effort. It's about the work and it's about the commitment. I think Flores, if, you know, we talked about Peyton possibly being able to get Kyler Murray to make the commitment. I think Flores could get him to make the commitment too. Yeah. I, I, I hear that for sure. I, I mean, I just, he's, he's got, you know, one thing you know about Brian Flores is just how honest, real, you know, knows what it takes to be successful, going to shoot you straight. Uh, I think that's where he can relate to players and turn, you know, a quarterback and an organization that seems a little bit all over the place right now, and they can bring it together there and be stable. And, and again, I'm, you know, I'm always, I, you know, I, I know they're going to interview Flores and D'Amico Ryan. I'm never a fan of, I love D'Amico Ryan, should be a head coach as well. I'm not a fan of like bringing the coordinator, you know, from within the the division to my head coach to my team. Like that, that, I, you know, like I wasn't in favor of of uh, Sean Shane Waldron going to the Seattle Seahawks just for that reason, right? From the Rams, Seattle. Wait, so now you what can about play. Flores to the Dolphins? Well. Uh, yeah, it, it's not my favorite always. I don't love that because of the same, like, wait, you're, you're going to play against the guy that twice a year that taught you the tricks and now your tricks aren't going to work and there's going to be some understanding within the division. I, I don't love that aspect. I know it can work and it, it's worked throughout, you know, time here and there, but I'd rather bring in fresh idea. And that's where I feel like Flores would fit well in there. It's just, there's, there is you know, no defense like him in that division. And he could be a pain in the butt for people like McVay and Shanahan and trying to figure out offensive game plans. Well, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And I have no inside information. I know that there is a rumor making the rounds that Michael Bidwell is very concerned about this litigation and understands the benefits and the detriments to hiring or not hiring Brian Flores. I mean, look at what happened last year. The Texans interviewed Brian Flores, didn't hire him, and they got joined to the lawsuit for failing to hire him in retaliation for the lawsuit that he filed. There is legal protection for retaliation against people who have had the audacity to advance their legal rights. People don't understand that. I mean, it's amazing to me. I think Kent Summers wrote an item for the Arizona Republic about why would basically Michael Bidwell want to hire the guy that sued the NFL and sued the Cardinals, even though he didn't sue the Cardinals, Steve Wilkes did, but it's all part of the same lawsuit. That's the natural reaction, but the law protects. Otherwise, no one would assert their legal rights. My rights have been trampled upon, but I fear that if I stand up for myself, they'll retaliate against me. Well, they can't. They can, but you have enhanced legal rights if they do. So the net gain to the Cardinals from a business standpoint, legal standpoint, football standpoint, I'm going to be surprised. And there's people people around the league think it's coming. And it could be that Monty Austinfort was hired specifically to make it seem like it's his decision. Hiring a guy that he knows very well, well-versed in the Patriot way. They're off the same Stepford Patriot assembly line. They know exactly what to do, to do it the way Belichick would do it. This could work out very well for the Cardinals, all because it's being motivated, at least in part by managing this very problematic lawsuit that the NFL and the Cardinals are dealing with. All right, Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. And it came out over the weekend. I don't know how much of it was a joke, how much of it's serious, but this idea that he has a one-way ticket to Thailand and he's not interested in coaching anywhere in 2023, I immediately heard from people who are well-versed in the contracts that these coaches sign, and the message was, hey, you have an obligation to go out and look for other work. You can't just sit home and collect your millions. You can't just go to Thailand and let Michael Bidwell finance it. You, you can't just turn your nose up if someone's interested in you. And there's an easy way to do it, Chris. That, that, it's just, sometimes guys are, can do dumb things. You go through the motions. You, you can go interview for the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator job if that's one of the teams that expressed interest and come away with it with the commanders going in a different direction. You can tank the interview. You, you, 
But if you turn your nose up to it and say, I'm not interested in any of these jobs, you're giving Michael Bidwell, if he wants to use it, an opportunity to turn the faucet off and not pay you yeah. because you failed to fulfill your contractual obligation to seek other employment that would offset the money that Michael Bidwell has to pay him. Yeah, it, it's it's risky, certainly. I mean, it, it's kind of funny. It just, it, it's got the look of like Cliff Kingsbury just going, ah, F it, I'm out of here for a while. I'm going to the other side of the planet. Leave me alone, which I, I kind of find funny and refreshing. Uh, but, yeah, you, you kind of said it right. There's ways to kind of fake it and BS your way through the process that, you know, make it look like, hey, I'm looking for a job. And, yeah, you're not really putting all your effort into getting that job or really wanting that job. So, yeah, that's something he better be careful with, certainly. Uh, I understand a guy like that and wanting to take some time away and all that, uh, understand that completely. But, yeah, he can't just sit back and, you know, sip pina coladas with Chris Sims on a hammock and then think uh, he's going to get guaranteed money from the Bidwells. And, and, you know, the question is, how easy or hard do you make it for Michael Bidwell to say, I'm not paying you, you yeah. haven't honored the terms of your contract? If you do go through the motions, if you do go get interviewed, he's probably not going to, you know, what's he, what's he, what's he going to do? He's going to put under oath Ron Rivera and Cliff Kingsbury and have this, this big question of whether or not Cliff really tried to get the job. But you make it easier by making it known to one of your friends in the media that you're not interested at all. That makes it a hell of a lot easier. And again, we talked about the secret rig kangaroo court. Where does the dispute go if Michael Bidwell tries to not pay Cliff Kingsbury? It doesn't go to court where everything would indeed be equal. It goes to the NFL's in-house arbitration process where it's more likely Bidwell will win. So just a, a risky move by Kingsbury, and I wonder if he really thought it through before he did it. And you know the other thing, too? And I don't want to go too far inside who I know and what I know and how I know it, but the fact that I made that point very loudly at PFT over the weekend and got no blowback from anyone, that tells me I'm onto something because that's the kind of thing that I ordinarily would get blowback for if somebody thought I was barking up the wrong tree. That's a real thing, and Cliff Kingsbury may have created a problem for himself when it comes to his buyout. All right, let's take a break. The Dolphins continue to say that Tua is their guy, but as I'll continue to say, actions will speak much more loudly than any words they may utter. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Yeah, I would say with Tua, he's our starting quarterback. So, uh, you know, I don't know how we could say it any more clearly that we've been that way um, through this season and what he's done and um, what Mike and Tua, um, Bevel, Chandler, the coaching staff have all done. They've all worked tremendously hard, all of them together. So, um, you know, Tua's, we anticipate him, worked with talking with the doctors and consultants and everyone we've dealt with. Uh, we fully expect him back next year, 100% ready to go. And then, uh, We'll get through all those decisions, you know, like I said, just like we talked about every player on the roster. And obviously I understand because it's Tua, and that's why the question's being asked. But uh, we'll go through our process, but he is our starting quarterback and will be next season. This is for a year you with concussions. Again, I'm a few credits short of my MD, but what I've read is that you have a couple you might be susceptible to getting more easily. Um, is that a concern with Tua, and what confidence do you have that this won't be a recurring issue well, I think from what our doctors and the consultants we've talked to through the NFLPA, that is not a true statement. So uh, for us, um, I don't think he's any more prone than anyone else. So um, for us, we're just going through and letting the doctors and the medical staff and um, the people in the <laughs> in that field, like you said, that know a lot more. But um, from everything we've been told, that is not a concern. Yeah, specifically, these are the doctors that are working with him directly and individually as opposed to a generalization you know you know I've, I've heard this a couple of times now he's no more prone to a concussion than anyone else okay that's fine but he's smaller than other quarterbacks the physics aren't on his side he gets thrown to the ground his head hits the ground that doesn't happen to other quarterbacks and haven't we heard for years with each passing concussion, the consequences could be greater? I mean, Javid Best never got cleared to play again for a reason. And, you know, we're all similarly subject to concussions, the brains inside of our skulls. We all have brains. We all have skulls. I, I just I don't understand how we're glossing over the fact that Tua is more prone to having his head hit the ground than other quarterbacks. 
It's not, well, if he gets hit in the head, is he more likely or less likely to have a concussion? He's more likely to hit his head on the ground because of his size and because of the way he plays. Chris, that's the real concern that I would have if he was my son. Yeah, I agree. That that that's the number one concern here, and that's will be the concern going forward. Is just yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, first off, that it doesn't. It, yeah, everything I we've been told, or I've been told. Of course, the more concussions you are ha, have had, the more susceptible you are to them, and of course, the more long term damage it can do to you. And this was three within a three month span. So you know, I can't imagine that's good. I don't know what the you know statistics are to how much more that makes you susceptible to ones in the future. I don't know, but like to your point, the concern of it happening again is real just because of the size of the human being. Exactly right. I mean, is it like you know again? That's where Miami's going to have to really think long and hard and invest in a back a big time backup quarterback this year. They got a team that's ready right now. They're ready. I mean, it's like not much they need on their roster for us to sit there and go, mm, they can they can challenge, you know, anybody in the AFC to be a Super Bowl football team. The quarterback's the big glaring mark. And can he actually, you know, sustain the beating of a full season? And I think that's a fair question to have. You know, it, it was hard at Alabama and he was on an all-star team that was way better than the rest of college football with a bunch of first round offensive linemen and people protecting him. Let alone this is the NFL and it's a different game. And let alone we saw him get concussions on three hits this year where you'd go, uh, we'd call that an average tackle? I mean, that that's really what it is. That's to me, is the concerning thing. Those are plays where it's like, hey, Tom Brady at 45 gets hit like that and he doesn't like lose bodily control to that point, right? So uh, this is a tough spot for the Dolphins. Yeah, he's a first-round pick, a top-10 pick. They've invested in him. They've started to develop an offense around him and his skill set, and this is a big issue they're going to have to deal with all offseason. This is the simplest way I can put it. If yeah. Chris and I yesterday in the studio together had said something bad about Rodney Harrison and he had stormed the room, if he threw me into that fake brick wall behind Chris Sims and then threw Chris into that fake brick wall, I'm going to emerge from the experience more injured than Chris because I'm smaller and I'm lighter and I'm weaker. And that's just the way it is. That's the way it works. As I said, the physics are not on Tua Tonga by Lois side, and that's what needs to change or he's going to continue to have this issue. Now, on the other thing that I want to throw the challenge flag on before we move on, yeah. they keep saying he's our starting quarterback. He's our starting quarterback. We don't know what else we can do to get you to, but well, here, here's what you can do. You can pick up his fifth-year option. You can sign him to a long-term deal. If you want us to really believe you're all in with this guy, actions speak louder than words. Until then, it's just words and it's not binding on anyone how many times have we heard words that don't ultimately mesh with action we'll see we'll see we'll see but if you really want to get the questions over with if you're sick of the questions miami dolphins pick up his option today pick it up today the deadline's in may pick it up today guaranteed pay for 2024 do it now if you want us to shut up about it or extend it to a long term contract, a real long-term contract, not a fluff phony one, a real one. If, if you want this issue to go away because it isn't an issue, not because you don't want to talk about it, but if it's not an issue, you have a way to make it not an issue. And, and they won't, Chris. They don't want to paint themselves into that corner because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. No, that's right. They won't. They're definitely not the long-term contract thing. And, and I, I can't fault them. I, I wouldn't want to give him a fifth-year option at this point and have that money guaranteed. No way. You know, I, I would go like, hey, it's it's almost like the approach of Daniel Jones uh, that the, the Giants took. Hey, you know we like you. We're the ones that took you. We fired a damn head coach because of you, and he won 10, 10 games two years in a row. You know, we've spent uh, $100 million on giving you weapons to make you look good or look better, right? So, yeah, they, they, they want to make this work with Tua. They do, and they could sell that to him, but... They can't invest long term in him yet, at least in, in my opinion. There's just there's too much diciness here still in this equation to go. Oh yeah, hey, here's a fifth year option and here's you know twenty something million dollars, blah blah blah. No, I I would want to go. Hey, you you got to play another year and play well, and we got to see you stay healthy before we can just start throwing you know big chunks of change at you. 
And I think also what they learned in 2021 when Deshaun Watson possibly arriving was looming over the team and the impact it had on Tua. I think they know they can't do anything to suggest any equivocation on Tua until they're just done with him. Exactly. And then they just rip the Band-Aid off. Right. Because it had, it had a negative impact Definitely. on his performance. They've just on built his psyche, him up, on everything. right? Yeah. They don't want to do that again. Yeah. Right. right. But once they're done with him, they'll do it. Yes. If they get to the point where they're done with him, they won't hesitate to do it. But they're not going to breathe a word of it until they're done with him. All right. Are the Ravens done with Lamar Jackson? More importantly, is Lamar Jackson done with the Ravens? He posted this on his Instagram story from uh, Monday. When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you, too. Uh, and, and we know this is how messages get sent by athletes, young people in this day and age. And, and we know it all came to a head last week. It was awkward. It was ugly. And it still is. We don't know what's going to happen going forward. But, Chris, when it's time to negotiate a long-term contract, I guarantee you this. If the Ravens don't at least offer as much as they offered Lamar Jackson back in August, this thing's going nowhere. And I feel like it's just a matter of time. I think we said this yesterday. If they're going to paint him as the bad guy, then he should just go ahead and embrace the bad guy role and say, I'm never playing for you again. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be mad at him if he plays hardball. I'm not. I mean, again, it's just just the business, whatever. You know, maybe he is playing hardball right now. I mean, maybe the Baltimore Ravens are like, damn, this is the hardest damn ball we've ever had to deal with here. I mean, it certainly seems like it. But, yeah, it's at a weird spot. It's at a very weird spot. And, yeah, I, I know you and I have both heard things from people we know around football. I mean, the knee was obviously an issue. It was banged up. Yes, the contract has continued to be an issue. And it's frustrating, I think, everybody, especially the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they're exasperated. They don't know what to do. That's the word you used on Sunday night. And it's hard to plan for the future of their football team. And honestly, like I, I think we said this yesterday, or maybe I can't remember where the hell I said it either. You know, it's just the team we just talked about. Uh, that's the team I, 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 I sometimes just think, man, it just seems like it's lining up for Lamar and Miami. But I, I don't know. Right now as it stands, it just feels like the marriage of Lamar and the Ravens is coming to an end. And the fact that RG3 last night in the pregame, Joe, is talking about yes. it's salvageable and he's from Baltimore, you know, was in Baltimore and knows people there. You know, this is obviously an issue and there is tension to even bring up that it's salvageable and, and needs to be mended to a degree. He used the word RG3 did weaponized multiple times in relation to the notion that someone is weaponizing Lamar's reluctance to play and painting it as he's not playing because he doesn't have a contract. That's the wrong way to put it. The reality is he shouldn't be playing without a contract if he's less than 100%. And if he had one, he would be playing. That's the real analysis here. And it's okay. It's okay for him to say, I'm not willing to add to the risks that I otherwise take because I'm not healthy. I'm not willing to do it because I don't have my contract. But the problem is he doesn't have his contract because he doesn't have an agent. If he had an agent, he have a contract. If he had an agent, the agent could be out there working the media. We talked about that yesterday, too. We'll see how it plays out. But I have a feeling as of right now, barring some breakthrough, it's not going to end well. We're going to take a break. We'll continue this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Joey Bosa was penalized twice in the Chargers' wildcard loss to the Jaguars for unsportsmanlike conduct. After the game, he bit his tongue regarding his thoughts on the penalties. On Sunday, he held nothing back. Here's what he had to say about the officiating in that contest. I need to be more accountable for my actions, obviously, but it's... Uh... It's a heated game, and I'm hurting out there. I'm playing on half a leg. Um, I'm getting dragged to the ground, whatever. Could hurt me, along with screwing our team. And, yeah, um, maybe some of them weren't as blatant as I thought, but um, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think there just needs to be more accountability on uh, I mean, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they get to, they're probably back in the locker room after the game, like, I got that. Oh, yeah, got him 15 yards. What a loser. I guarantee it. That's what they're talking like in the back. Um, 
whatever power trip. Um, I'm sick of those people, and I'm just about my third f bomb so far. Sorry, but man, oof. Uh, uh, yeah, Joey Bosa. Uh, he, love he it. He said after the game. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get fined any more than I already will. Right. Now, that, that came from what they call the locker clean-out day. It's the final day after the season ends. The reporters are there. They can talk to whoever. That's when he really unloaded. And I have a feeling he's going to be hearing from the league about that. I mean, yeah, that, that, I'm sure. I, he's making $27 I, I don't, million I don't, a year. He'll, go, he'll be all right. Yeah, I know. He can, he can afford it. He can afford it. And at least it wasn't in the heat of the moment. At least he had a chance to think about it and stew about it the whole flight home, slept on it, came in, and then let it be known. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the officials are quite as petty as he's characterizing them to be. But, you know, the bottom line, Chris, we talked about this. Yeah. False starts are rampant. Holding is rampant. It's yeah. all part of the effort to protect quarterbacks from the defensive linemen who are so much better than the offensive linemen. So you give the left tackle and right tackle a split second to get in his set before Joey Bosa is bearing down on the quarterback. You, you let him grab a little bit to keep the quarterback in one piece. I, we, we've seen that all year. It's been one of the narratives. It's one of the realities. So he can't blow a gasket when it happens because it happens to everyone. No, I know. But it, it's, it's something I think is, it's, it's, it's throughout the league right now and permeating throughout the league of, of, of frustration of the inconsistencies and the lack of the accountability. It is. I think you've heard it more from coaches and people you know in the league more than ever before. I definitely have. There is a... You know, and I think you even wrote something right last week about there's something about there's, uh, full-time officials might be gaining some steam. Yeah, something needs to be done. You know, and it pisses players off like Joey Bosa. Wait, you know, everything's about the quarterback. They make the most money, but we're not allowed to touch them, and we protect them, but nobody gives a crap about anybody else on the football field, and you can rip my shoulder off and break my knee, and oh, so what? You're not a quarterback. That's where a lot of, I think, players are pissed off and annoyed by that too, let alone you know, what's the point of having $27 million defense ends if you're going to let people hold the whole game? And man, we just shouldn't play defense anymore. You know, and hey, listen, this is a, it's a deep subject. This is where college football is failing the NFL a little bit because, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten are the only teams that run the football and actually teach their offensive linemen how to block, so there's not enough to go around. And like we've had a discussion, there's, there's eight good defensive linemen on every football team right now, and it's gotten to the point between, wait, we like offense and we want the game to be good and we want to go over and, you know, beyond uh, protecting the quarterback – that, I, Mike, we see holding so much, and it goes out. We, we've basically been told by our bosses and stuff, like, hey, we've done it enough. Let's not go through a run through another five-minute segment of a game showing a left tackle holding 45 times in one game. And that's where it's got to change. And it's not fair to teams that are built through the defense like that. They're, they're getting a leg chopped out for them right now because of the current state of the game. And, and that's where I think it has to have a serious discussion in the offseason. Right. But the point that, that I'm making here is the other defensive players who are dealing with that reality aren't slamming their helmet down on the ground. No, you're right. He's not right there. Their team. You're right. Putting, right. putting the Jaguars in position where they can go for two right. and beat you in regulation no with for a that. field goal. Right. There's, there's a straight line right back to Joey Bosa's antics. Yes. You've got to control yourself. You may not be happy, but you're a grown man. You've got to control yourself even when the right tackle leaves early and grabs you on your way to the quarterback on a play that resulted in a touchdown. You still have to walk off to the sideline, slam your helmet down once you're across the stripe. You do it there. Here comes Brandon Staley. Whoop, huh, oh, oh, wait, wait, here's your helmet. Maybe they won't notice that you threw it down. I think that's why he did. That's here, what he take did this. Too. Here, here, take right, this before right. they realize right. you took your helmet off. Put it back on so we don't get flagged. And, you know, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to self-discipline. And that that's uh, – there are a lot of reasons why the Chargers lost that game, but that moment there did not help, and you've just got to control yourself. Now, um, it was entertaining to see what he said on Sunday, and we'll see what the league does about it, but in the moment, you've got to control yourself. If you're going to tee off, tee off after the game. Don't tee off during the game because it hurts your team. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Well, Christopher, now that Super Wild Card Weekend is in the books, I do have to give you credit because if I recall correctly, and there's a chance that I don't, despite all of your struggles throughout the season, 
271 games that we picked. Six games in Super Wild Card Weekend. Six straight up correct predictions by Christopher David Sims. So hey, thank you. Hey, thanks for giving me a little hey, credit. It was a bad year, bad regular season for me for sure. But uh, you know, playoff Chris is a different Chris, right? I got I got on my A game this week, but uh, hey, I got. So we had two differences, right? I had the Cowboys last night. Certainly didn't expect that blowout, and then. You know, my G-men went up there and broke the horn of the Vikings. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but thank you. Some thank prognosticators you. <laughs> don't step up in the postseason. I won't name names. Mike Florio, some prognosticators <laughs> do. Chris Sims. So. You're well funny. Done. You're funny. Well done. <laughs> we got four more games to pick. It gets harder the deeper you get on the playoff tree. Yes. It's going to be... Very difficult this weekend. You're going to be tempted to take the Cowboys over the 49ers. I can already sense it. You're going to be tempted to take the Jaguars over the Chiefs. I can already sense it. You're going to be tempted to take the G-Men over the Eagles. I can already sense it. And finally, the Bengals over the Bills. You're already thinking all four road teams in the division round could win. And wouldn't that be something if they do? Yeah. Hey, listen, it's, it's, it's a great, this is to me the best weekend of the year. Uh, you know, I think we are really around the conversation of the eight best teams in the sport. You know, Jacksonville being the newcomer there. Hey, maybe the Ravens and Lamar Jackson could have been there, but they're not. And there's some young, exciting talent. Uh, I think we got four really good matchups. Should be good TV, and I'm, I'm excited. There were six, and those six are still there. And we'll see if they're there a week from now. Thanks for some of your time. See you Wednesday. Have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.